Ruth chapter number 3, and just to give you, a, just, just pick it up with the context so to get back in your mind. And she went down into verse 6, and she went down into the floor and did, did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. Of course, we preached on these things. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her, and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. I'd say if you went to bed at midnight, exhausted from uh, thrashing the wheat on the thrashing floor, and uh, of course a lot of times when they did that, they were up on the mountain, up on the top mountain when they get the evening breeze, and they'd been thrashing that wheat and getting the chaff out of that wheat, and oftentimes when the wind would die down or or soon there's, they were done, they would many times go into a feast, depending on what uh, the, that time of the year, uh, the first fruits or the Pentecost feast, and um, and you know it was there was a lot of work, but at the end there was a lot of worship, and then ultimately everybody just said, you know what, we got to lay around this wheat. Uh, we don't want strangers come and take it. We're going to relax and we're going to go to sleep. And you go, to, you lay down at midnight. And you put your head on the stone that's close to the threshing floor. You put your head on that wheat. And I don't believe for a moment this was usually a, a, a family, a public thing when it was done. It wasn't done just by one man. Uh, I don't believe, I know some people teach opposite of this, but I don't believe Boaz is up on top of that mountain by himself. I don't believe he's up there alone. I don't think anything in this... Uh, in this scripture is anything immoral or anything like that. Uh, there's, with all of my heart, there's other people there when you study all that out. And, uh, cause it was, it was a big time. And so, but you wake up in the middle of the night and maybe where she uncovered his feet, got a little cool breeze coming across the toenails. I don't know. And, uh, he started shuffling his feet around. That's what's going on. And maybe he stretches out a little bit. You know, uh, to me, I'm, I'm a little bit weird about all that. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm cold nature, but I've got to have one foot out. <laughs> it's no joke. I, I got to have, I, you know, some of y'all sleep with socks and everything on, but I'm just not made that way. But I am cold natured and I like a good blanket, but I got to have my left foot out from underneath the blanket. That's probably why I don't get to preach much. Amen. And uh, somebody had put on social media not too long ago that uh, I, the the heat is on, the foot is out from underneath the cover, the, the, the window is raised, and the ceiling fan's on. Can anybody relate? I can relate to that. Because I do like the heat and the cool all at the same time. But anyway... And my feet do shuffle in the night. And so I'm constantly kind of, I can relate here with Boaz a little bit, moving my feet around, feeling a little cool, feeling a little hot. But here's what I don't relate to. I've never said, what's that? (laughs) 
and there'd be a woman at my feet. I've never experienced that. And I uh, wouldn't know what I would do if, uh, if I did experience that. And I'm going to tell you something, young men. You're not married. If, 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 if you're ever shuffling around and there's a woman at your feet, you better get out of there. Amen. Amen. You better call for mama. Call the pastor. Call somebody. Amen. But anyway, <clears throat> he was afraid. And, uh, you know, he, no doubt he was startled. What, what, what's this person? You know, you know, this is not normal procedure. And he turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who art thou? And, uh, and, you know, they don't have street lamps and all that. Maybe, But I have a little hard time believing that Boaz did not know exactly who this was. Maybe it was in total darkness, I'm sure. But, but, uh, but he answered because he knows Ruth. She answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art near kinsman. He said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will... You know, he, he just got afraid. And then he's telling her not to be afraid. That's about like a man, isn't it? <laughs> and now my daughter, fear not, I would do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city, now that's a dangerous statement there, fellas. Did y'all read your Bible? You, 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 you got to watch this stuff. I mean, this man, he, he, he's in love with this woman and she's in love with him. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he overspoke, but he said, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. Man, if that ain't the honeymoon stage, I don't know what is. If that is not in the love bubble, I've never seen it. And that's it right there. That's probably the way Heather and Josh is right now. I'll do anything you want me to do. Yeah, I'll do, you know, just whatever you want, dear, whatever you want, I, I, I'll do it. Yeah. You know how it is. You know, two years in, what? 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 I ain't, I ain't doing that. Rub your own foot. Amen. But you know, that's that love bubble stuff. And he said, uh, but I really believe Boaz meant it. He said, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. But how bit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of the kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. Now here comes some quality, here comes some uh, where I know there's no immoral things going on. She arose up before one could know, could know another. So there's other people there. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. So they're trying to, they're trying to protect themselves. They're trying to protect their testimony and reputation, if you will. Also, he said, bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. 
And when she held it, the, 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 and, uh, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city. Now, you know, Boaz is always taking care of Ruth. He's always from day one. Drop a little handfuls on purpose, boys. Uh, come over to my dinner table with me and my men and let me give you some parched corn and take care of you and load your wagon and load your sack and, and you take, he's always taking care of Ruth from day one. And, it, and that's what, that's what a man ought to do for his wife. Amen. He ought to take, if a man don't provide for his own, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel and denied the faith. Well, amen. But I'm glad we got a Boaz that takes care of us from day one. Amen. David said from the very beginning, he said, I was once young, but now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seek bed for bread. I mean, things may get tough. Things may get lean. Amen. You might be sweeping the bottom of the barrel one day and see the bottom of the barrel. Amen. But I'm telling you, God always takes care of his own. Always takes care of his own. And especially if you know if you're right with God, serving God, doing what God wants you to do, uh, God's not going to be a debtor to any man. And he said, uh, and so he's taking care of Ruth and he, and he loads her up with more barley. He's laying right there with it. And she went into the city, verse 16, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, who art thou, my daughter? Because she knows who she is. Here's what she's asking. Are you Mrs. Boaz yet? That's the, that's what's going on. She knows that's Ruth, but she wants to know, did he take the bait? Are, are we, are we, are we engaged? Is there going to be a wedding? What's going on, Ruth? And she told her all that the man had done to her about taking care of her, the conversation they've had about giving her the, about giving her the, the, the barley, she said, these six measures of barley gave he me, for he said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then says she, now I love Naomi right here, because she's got some kind of elderly woman, widow intuition right here. She said, sit still my daughter, until thou knowest how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest till he hath finished the thing this day. What a thought. She said, Naomi, she said, Ruth, listen, judging from what you told me, and you got all this barley, and what he said to you has to check with this other individual, etc., etc. And and he did say at the end of verse 13. That I will do as the Lord liveth. And he also said in verse 11, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. She's rehearsing all that to the ears of Naomi. She's picking up on the true meaning of charity. She's picking up on the true meaning of love. She's picking up everything. And she's got that woman's intellect, intuition. And she says, she says Ruth, you sit still. You wait on God. Because that man is not going to go to sleep until he gets this done. He's not going to work anymore. He's not going to worry about anymore. He's not going to labor anymore. He is going to see to it 
He's going to do all he can to make sure that you're going to be his new bride. What, what a thing. And of course, that's exactly what Boaz does in chapter 4. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Give us something that we need from your word. Only you can give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, in our culture, um, and, I, and I have not studied up all this. Some of you may have studied well on all this stuff. But in our Western culture, it is usually the man that'll put rose petals in the middle of a highway somewhere and he'll surprise his girlfriend with a bunch of roses or some kind of fake visit or I, I don't know. It's weird today, man. I mean, people get engaged, they got it on video. There's four or five people got their cameras out. Everybody's in on it. You know, they want nobody around when I propose to my wife. Amen. I mean, I'm working through that thing. I'm talking to her. I'm filling her out. Y'all know what I mean? Right? Been doing that for a while. And finally I said, hey, and I just, it was just short and sweet, you know, you marry me. Amen, Brother Kyle. There wasn't nobody over in the corner taking pictures. I didn't want nobody in the corner taking pictures. Amen. You know, it's a different world today. You got to you got to take a picture of every step of the way. And uh, but anyway, let me. I'm just. But anyway, am I all right? Don't get me on that gender reveal, man. No, no, I'm not going to preach against it. But man, everybody. Anyway. Anyway, so in our Western culture, you know, the man, and I'm a firm believer in it, he pursues the woman. And, of course, that's in the Bible, too, pursuing the lady. And, uh, of course, God does have a part in it. The Bible says that he brought Eve unto Adam, and she became his wife and all that. But I'm just saying, uh, it's a little bit out of of our there's something about this that kind of maybe troubles us Americans a little bit because I'm going to tell you, she's proposing to Boaz. That's what she's doing. She is presenting a proposal unto Boaz. And I'm telling you, they've, they've already done six weeks, seven weeks, maybe eight weeks of catching each other's eye, working together every day, He's, he's within earshot, eyesight of her every day. He's watching her work hard, labor hard, come in early, leave late, etc., etc. Uh, th- there's been many a meals at the tables. There's been many a conversations. There, there's been many a thoughts. And there's been many a smiles. You know how it is. But Boaz, <clears throat> and it's kind of hard to, to read between the lines on some of this, but it's already been told that Boaz is a, is, a, is a near kinsman redeemer by Naomi. We've already learned that in chapter 2. And the reason why that Ruth is a near kin, that, that, that Boaz is a near kinsman redeemer is because Ruth married Milion, the son of Elimelech, who were all from Bethlehem, Judea, who were all Jewish people, who all had inheritance in the land. Now they may have sold their inheritance when the famine came and they moved to Moab. But regardless, she married into 
the Jewish family. And of course, he died without having any children. And of course, and, and I'm, I'm going to get into this a little bit later because there's something else i got to preach tonight. But Boaz is in the lineage and so is someone else according to this chapter and in chapter 4. But, there's, but he is a near kinsman redeemer. He is a relative. He's a rich relative. He has the ability, he has the power to perform the duty of that near kinsman redeemer and to marry uh, Ruth and raise up the seed of Elimelech, if you will, and uh, and regain all that inheritance of the land back. And that's why God set it up. But he's got to know. He See, Elimelech, you've got to understand, when he's talking to her, he says in verse 12, Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Now, Boaz, we've seen good qualities about him, but he's also a man of that book. He knows the word of God. He knows what the law of God says. He knows what Deuteronomy 25 says. He knows what Leviticus 25 says as well. He understands, hey, I'm, not, I'm just not one that's able to do it. There's someone else that's in the line before me. And he's got enough character. He's got enough integrity as pastor preached a couple of weeks ago that he is just not going to snow that guy and pull the wool over somebody's eyes just to get what he wants. Listen, manipulation in a relationship is murder. Y'all understand that? There's so much manipulation that goes on with young people, older people, and trying to pull the wool over somebody's place or somebody's eyes, somebody's relationship, somebody's family, so you could just have your way, so you can have your person in your life. Amen? One good thing about my daughter, and they'll be getting married soon, I feel like, and she can correct me later if I'm wrong, but I've, I've had my finger on the pulse of that relationship for a couple of years now, and far as I can tell, everything's out in the open. Are you with me? Yeah. They know what they believe, why they believe it. They've talked about, as, as far as I know, everything underneath the sun, plus t- more too. Just bringing your cards to the table and showing your hand. Yeah. Are you with me? You know, some relationships are not built on that. Some relationships are built on false hopes, false ideas, false dreams, false promises, just manipulation trying to get what you want. Well, amen. And that's not what Boaz is doing. He's not trying to manipulate Ruth. He's trying to do right by Ruth. But more importantly, he's trying to do right by God and himself. By saying, okay, Ruth, so there's no doubt Boaz's heart has been given out to Ruth. There's no doubt Ruth's heart has been given out to Boaz. But somebody's got to make a move. People ask me, when's, you know, Brother Gibson, when's Josh going to propose to your daughter? I said, how many weddings did you go to? Three or four? All of her friends got engaged and got married and 
And I said, listen, when, the, when God wants him to, amen, when he feels like the time is right, he's, you know, he prays, you know, he prays and talks to God. And he was praying and talking to God about when. Amen. Hey, this Mary stuff, young, young people, this is not some kind of flippant thing you just get into just because it's the next phase in your life. Amen. I got me a little job. I got my high school diploma. I got me a couple hundred dollars a week coming in now. Now it's time to get married. Hey, somebody's brain dead. Are we okay? And that's what happens. You don't go off and just run off and get married to the next skirt or to the next boy that walks by just because you think it's a thing and because you got butterflies in your stomach. Are we doing all right? And it's just something that we pray about. This is something we talk to God about. This is, listen, um, Ruth is underneath some good godly advice with Naomi. And I keep bringing that out, can't bring it out enough. I know Naomi's had her troubles. I know Naomi's had her problems. I get that. But she's got enough God about her. She's got enough goodly heritage about her that she's trying to instruct Ruth in the right way she should go because she sees the path. She sees the future that she can't give to Ruth and she knows she was married to her son, Milion, and she has a right uh, to an inheritance of the land. She has a right for uh, 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 of, of her husband's uh, and her father-in-law's uh, family to get involved and make her a better life. Yeah. Yeah. Naomi sees all that. Maybe not Ruth. Maybe she doesn't have all that laid out. Maybe she doesn't can see all that the way, because she's a Moabite lady. She didn't grow up with the law of Moses. She didn't grow up with those things. And Naomi's trying to direct her in the right way. Hey, listen. You know, it's, it's, so, it's so easy to preach to these young people, because it's good. I like them sitting there. So does every preacher that preaches here. But it's so easy to start taking advice and doing what you want to do, go where you want to go, live the way you want to live. Hey, it's good to have godly advice in your life. Amen. 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 I'm talking about having godly advice from your pastor. Godly advice from the deacons. And I'm not just talking about these young people. I'm talking about anybody in this room that's going to make a major decision in their life. Hey, you ought to get some godly counsel and some godly wisdom and just don't walk into that office in there and tell the preacher what you're going to do. Sit down and say, preacher, hey, listen, I'm praying about this thing. I'm praying about this individual. I'm praying about this new direction. I'm praying about this new move. Hey, preacher, let me ask you a question. What do you think about it? Amen. Now you're looking for counsel. Now you're looking for some help. Now you're looking for some instruction. And that's what Naomi's been doing to Ruth. And um, it's, it's imperative that we all surround our lives with good, godly counsel, Amen. good, godly people. Now, you know what men's trouble are in that area? Well, I'm 45 years old. I ain't going to ask nobody anything what I could do. And that's why you're in the shape you're in. 
Amen. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong in this. In that Old Testament, they went to their seer. I mean, Samuel out there looking for those donkeys. Y'all remember that in 1 Samuel chapter 9? He's head and shoulders above everybody. He can't find those dumb donkeys. Right? And they're going everywhere. And what does he do? I think it's around verse 6 somewhere. He goes to them and says, Hey, is there a man of God in this city? He said, I want to know if there's a seer in this city that can see for us and go before us and tell us the way of the Lord more perfectly. And there was a seer. And that seer did lead him and that seer did guide him and direct his path. And that seer was a great help. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But anyway... Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to talk. I remember Brother Jim. The Lord came to. I keep reference Heather because I'm going to do this until she gets married. If I preach again. But I remember Jim Fuller down in Florida a few years ago. She she didn't even know Josh. I said, pray for my daughter. She's I don't know. She she's wanted to get married since she was twelve. Anyway, I said, Jim, pray for my daughter. She's trying, you know, we're praying that God would send her a good man, loves the Lord. You know what Jim Valour said? This is Tim's dad. He said, let me ask you a question. Are you flirting? Well, I was like the gall of that man. Of course, he was 70. When you get to be in your 70s, people, people talk any way they talk. I'm learning that. I can't wait till I'm 70. Jeff Lord said, are you flirting? Of course, she turned red. She said, well, no. He said, that's why you're not married. <laughs> and I said, now, wait a minute, Jim. He said, now, wait a minute, Brother Gibson. I know what y'all believe. But he said, I'm telling you about it. Somebody along the way is going to have to wink an eye, smile, something. Somebody's got to flirt in order for it to go further. And you know what? That old preacher's right. I'd hate to meet the couple said, we never flirted. And we never flirted. We never flirted until we got married. Good Lord. God help. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about smooching and holding hands. and I'm not talking about that now. I'm talking about just winking of an eye, smile across the face. You know how it is. And that's where they are right here. Boaz has got to protect. He's, got, he's, he's a man of honor. And he knows there's somebody else that can intervene. And so Naomi tells her, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get down to that threshing floor. I want you to lay at his feet, uncover his feet. And then when he came from himself in verse number 9... He said, Who art thou? She answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Boy, you don't hear women talk like that anymore. You know, I looked at that word handmaid in the old 1828 dictionary. It means a maid that waits on hand. Then it says a female servant. 
And uh, she immediately is at his feet, and she's immediately humbled herself to the point, who are you? I'm Ruth, thine handmaid. Boaz, it's Ruth. I'm your servant. I'm here to wait on you, hand and foot. We don't preach like that anymore. And I'm not going to go out here and say that your wife is a handmaid because our wives, my wife, is not a female servant. Amen. I'm to love her like Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. We are underneath an Old Testament comedy right here. But I'll tell you what, she humbled herself and she says, I'm a, I'm a servant. But she said, I'm here to tell you something. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid that thou art a near kinsman. You know what she's asking right there? She's asking for Boaz to redeem her. She's asking right there that you're a near kinsman redeemer, you're the one that can save me, you're the one that can rescue me, you're the one that can get me to my next level. But it, this is but this this is not this is not manipulation. This is good intentions. This is being one with God and and following God's book and God's word and the will of God. But she said, um, but you know, I'm looking for some acceptance. I'm looking. I'm asking for you to redeem me. She's proposing. If you would take your uh, skirt over thine handmaid, he, she's asking in that phrase, will you marry me? Would you be my rich relative that is qualified, that's willing to redeem? Would you pick up where, where Malion left off? Now that's strange to us, and I understand it is. But I want you to see something here about this. Look at Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. Look at Ezekiel chapter 16. And this is, a, this is God and the nation of Israel. Okay? And I can't read all of this chapter. In verse 6 of Ezekiel 16, when I pass by the talking about God and relationship with Jerusalem and uh, the nation of Israel, when I pass by thee and saw thee polluted in thy own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I've caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. This is the blessings of God on Israel. And hath increased in waxing great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, my, my, thy time was the time of love. Now watch it. And I spread my skirt over thee, and covered thy nakedness. And entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becomest mine. You see that? 
So that's what, that in essence is what God did to the nation of Israel according to Ezekiel 16. I saw you where you were. I came to you where you were. And I took my skirt and I covered you and made you mine. And what that is, that's, a, that's an acceptance. That's someone that says, I accept you. You now have become mine. It is a, it is a cultural thing. It is a, 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 a covenant thing that when God did that to the nation of Israel, you become mine. Now that is what Ruth is asking of Boaz. I want you to take your, your, your skirt, your shawl, whatever it may be. I want you to put it over me and it's a significance of I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to wed with you. I'm going to enter into a covenant with you. And I'll tell you something. That's exactly what the Lord did to us. Amen. Amen. You know, salvation is real simple. People make it difficult. She made, she had an asking request. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid for that thou art near kinsman. That's a picture of our salvation. Salvation is simple. Whosoever is called in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. If a sinner will but humble themselves underneath the mighty hand of God and call upon the Lord to be saved, he will save. And as Hebrew says, you'll enter into that new covenant of the grace of God. Well, Boaz now has got a decision to make. He understands now where Ruth's heart fully is. You know, sometimes whether you're courting, dating, whatever you want to call it, and especially when you get married, there has to be a lot of communication. Listen, young men, listen, married men, assumptions and I thought and assume won't get you very far with your wife. Are we okay? Got to talk. You gotta say, hey, this is, this is, this is what I, this was what I was thinking. This is what it is. Now, now I'm kind of, I can be kind of stupid sometimes. Sometimes I tell what I really think. And that gets me in more trouble. I thought that's what you wanted me. I thought you wanted me to be talkative. I thought you wanted me to be transparent. And this is me. Well, you're talking too much. Amen. So you gotta pray and ask God for some wisdom on that. Amen. Amen. But he sees her heart. And now Boaz got to make that decision. And he says in verse 10, he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. For thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Insomuch thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. Then he said, And now my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all of all the city, that's Bethlehem, Judea, of my people, Doeth know that are a virtuous woman. And then he said in verse 12, Now it's true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. And that's what chapter 4 is all about. Boaz going to that other kinsman that has the, the rights to, to redeem her, and he's working all that out. Boaz knows now she wants to pursue me in holy matrimony. She wants to be my wife, and he knows there's no doubt in his heart he wants to be her husband. And as they say, it's on. Amen. And so he gives her assurance, just like the Lord Jesus Christ has given us assurance of our salvation. He gives her assurance for redemption. 
He says, I will do to thee all that thou requirest in verse 11. He said in verse number 18, uh, Naomi said, the man will not be in rest until he has finished that thing this day. Uh, he promises to Ruth. He promises to Ruth as the Lord liveth at the end of verse 13 that we're going to get this nailed down. We're going to get this thing figured out and I'm going to do my dead level best to make this work. And he gives us hopes. He gives us promises. He gives us, he gives her assurance. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has given us assurance? Aren't you glad Jesus has done all what is required to make full eternal salvation and redemption by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? And listen, he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thy will be done. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ, even though it costed him everything, he did always those things that plead the Father. He was sinless perfected. He was virgin born. He lived a pure sinless life. He went to the cross and died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And he sits on the right hand of the Father tonight. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has done all that's required to him by the Father? It is finished. Aren't you glad? Jesus has fulfilled his promises. Boaz is in the process of fulfilling his promises. And that's what he says in verse number 14. And she laid his feet until the morning. And she arose before one could know another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came unto the floor. And then he begins to give her in verse 15, six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went on her way. And once again, Jesus done all that was required to make full redemption. Jesus has fulfilled his promises. The Lord gave his children many proofs of his blessings. And as I said a while ago, the Lord kept blessing Ruth abundantly and beyond that she can ask or think. Aren't you glad that the Lord proves his love to us? Every time he makes a provision, every time he takes care of a need, every time he does something for us, he has just proven one more time over and over how much we are his. Look at some verses on that. Look at Psalm 68. Look at Psalms chapter number 68. Psalms chapter 68 verse 19. Blessed be the Lord. We're talking about how the Lord fulfills His promises. How the Lord takes care of His own. Just like Boaz is going to take care of Ruth. And has promised Ruth. In Psalm 68 verse 19. Blessed be the Lord. Who daily loadeth us with benefits. Isn't that what he did to Ruth? Isn't that what Boaz did? He loaded her up with six measures of barley uh, in her sack and sent her home. And the Lord does that to us every day. He daily, not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, in the morning, when you arise out of bed in the morning, God is already giving you daily benefits, even the God of our salvation. Not only has He saved us, not only has He given us the Word of God, not only has He given us all the spiritual blessings, but He continues to lead and guide and direct and daily load us with benefits. You know why He does that? Because we're His. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 16. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Boaz is going to take care of Ruth. God takes care of us. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Here's where the Spirit of God is involved. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit. See, this is some of that reassurance of salvation. The Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. If children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. The Spirit of God within us, the Spirit that dwelleth in us, as James 4 says, that Spirit inside of us bears witness with our spirit. When you're looking at the Word of God, when you're looking at the promises and assurance of salvation, the Spirit itself bear witness in our spirit that we are children of God. He takes care of us. He takes care of us. Look at Hebrews 13.5. Look at Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Wow. Wow. You know what that means? That means when you talk to somebody, whether it be the Lord or your family or your friend, you don't have to have an edge on it. You're not trying to get something out of somebody or something. Got to be careful with that. It's easy to creep in. But God says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, here comes some protection, here comes some provision, here's the way God shows himself to us, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. God says, don't let your conversation be full of covetousness. Be content with everything that you have in this walk in life. And just remember, no matter what the problem, no matter what the trouble, no matter what the turmoil, no matter what the trial, I am with thee. I will never leave thee and nor forsake thee. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Go back to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 verse 13 and 14. Ephesians 1 13. Talking about the Lord gave his children many proofs that were his. How Jesus has fulfilled the promises to us. How Jesus has done all that's required of him to do to save us and to keep us and give us that assurance. Look at Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, as Christ, also after that ye believed. The moment you got saved, you got placed in Christ, and the moment you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Just like Boaz is promising everything he can to Ruth, Jesus Christ said, if you trust me, believe on me, and, and you get saved, you get placed in me, and I get placed in you. The Holy Spirit, we're sealed with that promise, which is the earnest. I'm, listen, I know you've heard this, but that's the down payment money. Amen which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption, until that's what, that's what Ruth wants from Boaz is some redemption. She wants to be purchased. She wants to be bought back. And until the redemption, when we get saved, we get purchased. We get, um, 
we get bought into the family of God by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the down payment on that is the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of our heart and soul until the redemption of the purpose possession and to the praise of His glory. Amen? Daily, God takes care of us. I'll close with this. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We know this. Look at Matthew chapter number 6. There's so much in Ruth, it's hard for me to, to really navigate myself through it. But I have a good time with it anyway. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. <laughs> you know, when I was young and first married... I thought, man, are we ever going to make it? I don't know if you ever got there or not, but there was a couple times in our early years I thought, man, are we ever going to make it? And I'm talking about, you know, just, I'm not talking about this, are we going to make it as a husband and wife, as a relationship. I'm talking about just life. And I remember I talked to my grandpa, and he got married in 1931. He got married in the Depression days. And I looked at him, I said, Grandpa, and he said he was a saved man. I said, you think we can make it? He said, oh, son. He said, when I got married, he said, we just had no shack of a house of West Virginia. Only thing between us and outside was, was, was boards. No insulation, nothing like that. Get up of a morning shovel some snow out and throw it back out in the yard because there was cracks in the wall. That's how he lived in 1931. And he said, if we just had a little flour and a little water in the house, he said, we knew we was going to make it. I said, really? He said, yeah, because when you have flour and water, you can make biscuits and gravy. And he said, you can live on that. And he said, if we can make it in 1931 in the Great Depression with snow coming through the cracks... And no jobs and just with flour and water. Surely in 1993, 1994 you can make it. That's a pretty good thought, isn't it? Let's read this and go to the house. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Therefore Jesus said, Jesus said, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And I'm telling you, this is what Ruth, this is what Boaz is communicating to Ruth as well. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Hey, we've been saved, born again, washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we're more important than the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? That's none of us. Why take ye thought for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What we shall eat, or what we shall drink, or what withal shall we be clothed? For all these things do Gentiles seek. Ruth was a Gentile lady there at Boaz. She's got a lot of this in her mind. She's got a lot of this on her plate. Where's my next meal? Where's my food? Where's my future? Where's everything going to come from? 
But she's there looking at Boaz knowing that kinsman redeemer is the answer. I'm telling you, our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, is the answer for your heavenly Father. Knows that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Of course we're going to make it. Because God's going to take care of us. Inflation, depression, whatever comes, God is going to take care of His own.